welcome back. Welcome back, you wonderful people who matter so very, very much. I'm W.S. Walker, and you're doing really great so far. And so it's, it's time, once again, for us to empty our cups, to mull over the riddle, what is the instinctual sound that we make when we love, plug in what I have to say today, and see if my tea has worth. Now, we went over the cacophony. Right, and how much we affect each other. And today, we're going to talk about two more ways that we're linked, though I could see some seconders arguing that it's just the one with two different names. But we're also going to delve into a problem that has plagued our kind. Trying to humanize God. You know, bring him into our terms and our concepts. And we're, <laughs> we're going to jump into something kind of mind-blowing there. Anyways... Uh, Empty your cups, everybody. Let's go in. Chapter 3. How God Gods. Now, we've spent a fair amount of time talking about, well, time. And I believe that most people's perception of time gets in the way of them being able to relate to how God does what God does. Or how God gods, if you will. If God created all of this, then God would not be subject to the laws of all of this. I think that far too many people, without really thinking about it, place God in a position in which he exists in the same way that we do within time. Well, it's far more likely that God would exist outside of time. From what I've seen, God likely makes small adjustments to the past to become help in the present. Have you ever had help come from an unexpected place? Sure, it almost never arrives when we expect it to, which is right now would be good about 90% of the time. But when we ask for that help, it comes when and where it's needed, and you'll never see what the first domino tipped by God was that led to the domino you actually needed landing in your lap exactly when you needed it to. Now, this typically wildly differs from what our idea of the help we needed was. Well, God knows what opportunities are ahead in every single decision you could make. He knows which ones are ultimately bad ideas, though they seem like good ideas at the time. He knows the roads available. He knows where they lead. He knows what can guide you, and he knows what will help and when it will help. And not every time is right this moment. I think another hurdle that gets in the way of belief is the argument-slash-paradox of free will versus God's plan. The argument essentially boils down to, if human beings have free will and can choose to do whatever they want, how could God possibly have a plan? If God does have a plan, then aren't we adherent to it, and do we even have a choice? Well, I think... It's the word plan that people get hung up on. What if we gave God a little more credit and say it's probable that he doesn't have to plan like we plan? That each of the possibilities that we get to decide on with our free will is a path in an infinitely complex plan that includes all paths available. We have the ability to choose which route we take as each fork in the road occurs. And God who built the paths in the first place, has 
likely bottlenecked certain paths to arrive at things that we need to happen as a whole, specific choices that we need to come to in our own individual lives, and events that we need to happen in the course of human history. In this way, there is no paradox. God designed the possible paths and we choose which ones we take. And, and, you can ask for directions, literally any time from the greatest navigator in the world, but just don't expect to get them until you need to turn. Now, it's rather humbling to realize and understand that we're typically kind of wrong when it comes to knowing what it is we want in life. How many parents have told the tale of how, from a very specific moment of interacting with their child, they realized that they would do anything for this child, that family is everything and everything else is just noise. Only God knows which great fulfilling paths are which, which ones are ahead, and how you can get to them from wherever it is that you are. He's the only navigator that knows what it is that you desire most, and likely you don't even know it yet. They may be your paths, but God put them there for you, literally shaped every single possible path you can take. And you, you get to choose how you choose them. I can tell you for a fact that the absolute most cherished moments and people and accomplishments I've experienced I had no idea that I had always wanted them more than anything else. I just didn't know about them until I traveled the paths that led to them. And the funny thing about that is, the ones that led to the things that I treasured above all others were usually the result of acting with some form of love or kindness. Quite a lot of this centers on the people around you. Small interactions to large, we're linked in so many more ways than we understand. There seems to be some kind of network that links every person on the planet, and probably any that are off of it at the moment. After all, quantum networks care very little about things such as distance. Let me ask you, have you ever heard of the hundredth monkey? For anyone that hasn't, In 1953, five well-respected primatologists, meaning they work with primates, were observing a troop on the Japanese island of Yoshima. The monkeys were Japanese macaques and pretty bright, and after a while the observers decided to help the monkeys with provisions and left wheat and sweet potatoes out in the open for them. One of the female young discovers that she can wash the dirt and grit off the potatoes by taking them down to the river and her playmates and her mother soon learned the trick from her. Now this was unique because when it comes to all matters of how to eat, it's typically the elders that are the teachers and the young that are the students, and the only adults that knew how to wash their potatoes were the ones that learned it from their young. And then, one day, an adult learned the trick from a youngin, as per usual, and suddenly it was like a dam broke every single monkey in the troop suddenly knew how to perform this washing. Not only that, but the same behavior suddenly began to be recorded by other researchers on other islands watching other colonies. 
and it was even seen on the mainland performed by a troop in Takasakiyama. Now sadly, the resulting paper written on the phenomenon was immediately discredited by peers that mainly attacked the author for his gung-ho-ness towards the idea that this incident showed some kind of quantum interconnection. There's an intangible network that links all things. This network defies non-theoretical traditional physics. It exists on a level that we can't see. We can only detect, and really only by way of its footprints, so to speak. This network doesn't seem to be affected by distance or time because it operates free of our limitations of space and time. And we've seen countless amounts of evidence of this. And recently, two brilliant men have stumbled across quantum networking happening in our brains. Sir Roger Penrose, a highly esteemed mathematical physicist, and Stuart Hameroff, a groundbreaking neuroscientist. These two gentlemen have noticed that when the human brain enters the thought process, neural pathways light up, racing up and down one line over here, and then suddenly firing a continuation over there, jumping from hemisphere to hemisphere instantaneously with no indication of having any kind of signal physically traveling from here to there to link them. One moment it's over here, the next, boom, over there, instantly. There's no physical connection between the two pathways, and yet they fire in perfect succession. Sure, it's less than a foot's distance, but literally nothing travels the distance. They believe that there's this quantum mind that relays the signals. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, Take a look at the fluctuations of the magnetometers that have been placed all over the world to measure any changes in the Earth's magnetic field. Around 8 to 10 a.m. Uh, New York time, you see this dip happen in the readouts, and then you see this huge jump off, an absolutely insane spike happen. And what's even crazier is it happens on all of the machines. They all register it. And then you see it reverberate downwards. And in almost all of them, they have the exact same structure of the little dip and, and even like the same kind of bumpy landscape. For reference, the first tower collapsed at 9.59 a.m. EDT. And the north tower collapsed at 10.28 a.m. EDT. Nearly everyone was watching at this point. So when the first tower fell, a great swell of empathy twisted inside a huge portion of the Earth's population. That feeling of stepping in the dark through a stair that you thought was there was felt by so many people at the same time, thanks to a near-instant global communications network, and at least... Nine machines spread out all over the world felt it too. And with so many people's attention being so focused on one event, it reverberated through the very fabric of reality. It rippled outward through something that was attached to everything without regard for space or time. We are all connected in ways that are not evident by way of the visible light spectrum. This existence spreads out a lot deeper than we can imagine or detect. 
but you can get a sense of it by the way our world interacts with it, much like you can't see the wind with the naked eye, but you can get a sense of it by way of the debris caught up in it and the movement of cloth, hair, and trees. Physicists have seen countless examples of quantum entanglement in particles, atoms, and electrons. To, to simplify, if two particles are created in the same point in space-time, those particles are really bizarrely linked. So if you take one entangled quark to one end of the solar system and you flip its polarity, instantaneously the other entangled quark's polarity will suddenly flip regardless of its distance from its twin. And there are countless accounts of people having connections to those that they deeply care for. I've definitely read all that I'm ever going to want to read about the eerie connection between twins. Seriously, do not Google spooky twins connection after sundown. That is not a good time. But it, it makes sense, though, doesn't it? Every atom in these bodies shared the same point in space-time a long, long time ago. What am I talking about? Well, the Big Bang Theory is currently the widely held belief in the scientific community as to how all of this got into motion in the first place. There was this singular object in the middle of nothing. And then quite suddenly, the universe blew outward in every direction from that one object, that one thing. And within that singularity, an explosion was every single bit of energy that we'll ever use and every atom that will ever exist. So in a different way of saying it, we're all pieces of the same whole. Everything that we are made up of, every single molecule, element, and subatomic particle is from one single source. And it makes sense that we would be otherwise linked on levels outside our ability to physically detect or measure. Several religions follow the belief that God created everything that we have a frame of reference for. So let's overlap those a bit. What if we substitute God for singularity? In the beginning, there was God and nothing. So we give the singularity a name just for the moment. And in this view, what is it that we would all be made of? What is everything that has ever existed made of? Is it made of nothing? Or, as we're calling the singularity, God? The core law of our universe is that energy cannot be created nor destroyed, and I would mark it pretty unlikely that we are made of nothing. And that is chapter three. So try to understand that you can't understand and go out and say hello to the rest of God. And maybe, just maybe, treat him as such. So that's it for me. Thanks for coming to my reading. Come talk about this stuff, uh, ask questions, or hear what others think at reddit.com slash r slash the laughing matters. And you can head out to the laughing matters.com for more from the show, including 
the book. You can check out the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash could help. You can contact the podcast at willhelpmail at gmail.com and you can stay up to date with the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash I could help. And no, I did not forget uh, this week's word. Uh, that's going to have to be guarantee. Just every time, every time it looks wrong. But if you have a word that always looks wrong to you, no matter how you spell it, uh, even when it's spelled correctly, go ahead and post it up on reddit.com slash r slash always looks wrong and see how many people feel your personal pain on that one. So that is a wrap on this episode. I will see you next time. And until then, go introduce yourself to someone for no other reason but because they matter to you. Be sweet. Bye, everybody.